Amelena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Learning to code opens a lot of opportunities. Even if you decide that you don't want to be coding for a living, it helps you understand how software is made and the technical implications of it across different industries. Alex Sadenai, founder of South Bend Code School, explained why she decided to start teaching kids how to code. We talked about the components of an immersive curriculum and the things the kids learn as they get older. Alex explained different projects they work on and the programming languages and technologies they use. Before we get on with the show, I'd like to thank Blind for being a sponsor. Blind is an anonymous app for tech workers to discuss, debate, and talk about compensation, corporate policies, workplace harassment, and more. Go to teamblind.com to download the app. That's teamblind.com. Thank you. Alex Sadenai is joining us today, founder of South Bend Code School. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. South Bend is a school that teaches coding. For when I was researching for this interview, I saw that you mentioned that you consider you were not good in math. And because of this, you didn't intend to get involved in programming, but eventually you did. What changed? Yeah, it was more so, I think, finding my passion and discovering how coding was able to help me reach that passion. And so for me, when I was an undergrad, I was English and pre-med at the University of Notre Dame. And I had this dream of becoming a doctor, mainly because I wanted to be able to help people. And growing up, I the main careers I guess I had been exposed to as giving you that pathway for being able to help people in your work were very traditional careers, such as doctor, lawyer, things of that nature. And so I was under the impression that that was like my only way of, I guess, being able to find a career path that would give me the opportunity to be able to help others. However, it was when I started tutoring at local high schools my senior year of college that I met a number of different high school students who weren't planning on going to college, but these students were also being told that without a college career, um, or yeah, but without attending college, they wouldn't be able to have access to a profitable or successful career. And I remember thinking at the time that that just was not fair. I think I was maybe 21 at the time, and I was thinking to myself that, you know, I don't have it all figured out, and so how in the world are we expecting 18 to also have it all figured out. And so I knew that you did not have to have a college degree to be able to become a programmer. So I started teaching myself how to code in order to be able to teach others. And so then that's what actually got me past, I guess, this internal fear that I had of, you know, thinking that I did not fit the stereotypical image or background of a coder of I didn't feel like I was good at math. So to clarify, I was tutoring in English. Um, but it kind of, it made me, I guess, not care that I didn't fit what in my mind was a traditional coder and instead got me past the hard points, you know, perhaps with coding and helped me to, yeah, just be willing to teach myself to be able to learn this as a whole new skill set just because I wanted to be able to show other high school students that they could also be able to learn the same skill set as well and do whatever they wanted with it. What steps did you take when you decided, okay, I'm gonna learn 
how to code? Yeah, so a lot of research. I talked with friends on campus who were computer science majors to be able to ask, you know, where exactly should I start? Because there are so many different programming languages out there. It's pretty tough to be able to like narrow down exactly like which is the path for you. And so with that, but then also I found free coding programs online. So Codecademy was a great one for me if I used it. And I think I went through their Python course as well as their intro to web development programs. And so with that, I was able to start building my own projects to be able to practice coding. But then what also helped me was that I wound up meeting who became my two co-founders, one whose name is also Alex, and he happens to be who I married um, a month and a half ago, and then our friend Chris Frederick. And so they were more traditionally trained in terms of their coding backgrounds. And so they were able to offer me a lot of advice and a lot of direction as well of what I should be learning next. How did you say that you met your co-founders? Yeah, so here in South Bend, we have a community learning center called the Robinson Center. And it's kind of like a boys and girls club. So students are able to go there after school as well as over the summer for summer camps and be able to learn and try a ton of new things. And so my senior year of college, I was working actually as an AmeriCorps member at the Robinson Center. And so I had this idea after you know t tutoring the local high school students that I wanted to see if you know a coding program for teens could work and so I did like a four-week pilot program at the Robinson Center and then my co-founders actually worked at the University of Notre Dame in business intelligence and so they had this idea that they also wanted to do programming for kids and so they came to the Robinson Center to meet with who was my boss at the time and so because my boss knew that I was you know kind of trying to figure out this path myself at the time he pulled me into a meeting with them and so the three of us realized that we were all trying to do the exact same thing. And so we thought, well, we like each other enough. Like, why not team up and be able to try pulling off this pilot program together? And so that was summer of 2015. So three years ago. And during that program, we actually had 19 students who had never coded before. And over the course of a five-week-long summer camp, they built 23 web applications. And four of those web apps were dedicated towards nonviolence in the city of South Bend. So the program went really, really well and kind of wound up, I'd say, like setting the pace for how all of our other future programs went. The Code School South Bend teaches children from seven years old all the way up to 18 years old. How is the curriculum structure throughout these years as the kids are growing? Yeah. So our curriculum's always having to grow and develop. So, you know, for that pilot program that we did at the Robinson Center, we focused on web development because web development is really a low barrier to entry when someone's learning how to program for the first time. So we started with that of students learning how to build their own websites. And then as our program has grown over the years, We've had, I want to say, like over 600 kids go through our formal programs now. So we've had students stay with us, you know, for multiple years now, some since the beginning. And so you kind of, you need other exposure activities for them and other coding languages. So our programs now has since expanded to 
for our youngest coders. And so our kind of seven to 12 year olds were able to start them off with scratch. And so using coding blocks to be able to practice more of the logic that takes place behind programming. But then as students level out of scratch, then we introduce them to not just web development, but also we've got a Python track. We also have Unity and C Sharp. And we've been starting to explore like would VR technology and AR technology look like as coding lessons for kids. So the program, yeah, it's definitely continuing to expand and to grow. And we're just always looking for, I'd say, like more opportunities to be able to show kids more cool things that they can build themselves with technology. You mentioned young children start with learning the concepts by using coding blocks. Can you explain a little bit what this is? Yeah, so the coding blocks are just really great resources for kids who are, I'd say, at different points with their use of technology. It's great for students who have not used a computer very much because it's helping with their, you know, even hand-eye coordination and them learning how to control a mouse, for instance, as well as understanding the way that computers work and operate. For some kids who enter our program, you know, they've, well, a lot of kids, they've grown up with technology. So it's kind of always been a constant or consistent thing in their lives. And so there hasn't been as much questioning of, you know, where did this tech come from? Or how does it actually operate or work? Instead, computers have kind of always been able to do really cool things. Um, and that, that's kind of their experience of what they've grown up with. So for our younger kids who are starting off with using the coding blocks, it's them realizing for the first time that you have to tell a computer to do what it is that you want it to do. And so they're practicing that. We're also able to practice even like growing our self-confidence because it can feel a little disappointing sometimes to a kid who's exploring tech for the first time and their code doesn't work. And so code blocks are really, I'd say, an approachable way of that they have programming built in behind them, but they're blocks of code that kids are able to shift around and be able to create any games or animations that they want. Yes, and I was actually teaching some kids the other day using something similar to these coding blocks, and I saw the same thing you were seeing where there's this disappointment or like, oh, I didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> what this job is. It's a matter of, okay, it didn't work. Let's try something else and see what happens. That's okay to feel right. and that's the way to work here. And then they're like, oh, okay, so it's not really something wrong with me that I didn't understand. I'm like, no, that, that's pretty much yeah. what I do and what a lot of people do in, in this field as software engineers. Exactly. It's kind of like giving them a new take on what failure means, right? Like it's, you know, a lot of times in school, like if you fail at something, it's, you feel that, you know, overwhelming sense of disappointment and you feel like it is your fault, like you were just saying, but instead it's kind of realizing that, you know, failure or your code breaking, like that is a natural part of becoming a programmer. Um, exactly. Your code's always going to break. And so we started a new model in our classes actually of we say fail fast and adjust because failure is inevitable. So like the sooner you're able to embrace that, the sooner you'll be able to kind of push back that and just build cool things. And that's pretty an exciting part. You mentioned with these blocks, they're able to build games and what else can they build with this? So it can really build whatever it is that they want. We kind of say that to our students that coding is a great way to build out your imagination. So for our younger kids, they're using, you know, coding blocks to be able to build out any kind of computer game that they can think of. And those can be as simple or as complex as they want. We've got a website that we've built of 
example games so that students could choose from that. But our, I guess, kind of point where we say a student has graduated from scratch, per se, um, is when they innovate and develop their own game. So they think of what it is that they want that game to be like, and then they use the logic to be able to decide exactly like which coding blocks are needed to be able to bring that game to life. But as our students get into you know, more programming languages. So whether that it's they're exploring Python or, you know, C Sharp or web development, then they're able to build kind of even bigger projects, I'd say. So, you know, we've had a student build out a calculator. So being able to fully understand exactly the way that that technology works, um, as opposed to even kids who have used HTML and CSS to make a digital hamburger. So it's kind of like, it really is up to them, but they're able to make some pretty just cool and unique things. Kids these days learn very differently, I think. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm pretty much suspecting this because they, a lot of them grow up with devices and things like that, like you mentioned earlier. What does it take to make an engaging activity or to get them interested in programming? Yeah, I'd say that it, it takes a few things. So one thing that we do is we have a curricula that we've made for all of our classes. However, we don't really treat any of the curriculum that we implement as being set in stone. So for instance, it has a lot of flexibility so that it's able to be adapted to an individual child's interests. So by having, you know, like the multiple coding languages that a kid can choose from, by giving them the freedom to be able to come up with their own games or apps or animations that they want to create, it really helps us for helping the students to be able to find, you know, their own niche of where it is that they thrive and what they're interested in, as well as even be able to connect like their things that they maybe think aren't coding or programming interests. So for instance, we'll have quite a few students who will join and they love drawing. And so giving them the opportunity to draw their own characters and put that in a game, that's connecting two things that maybe before the class they didn't think, you know, could be drawn or connected to programming. And so Yeah, I'd say like that, that's kind of like really made it, made it really interesting. Did I answer that question fully? Were there other parts you were thinking of? Yes, the main idea that I'm getting is don't have the curriculum set in stone. For example, today's class, we're going to develop a game with a car wow. and a monster. No, give them the flexibility to choose creatively what the game will be about or what the animation will be about and as long as they learn the concepts of programming exactly because that's that wouldn't even be what a coder's job would be like right instead you would be responsible for kind of innovating and problem solving and thinking outside of the box so we really try to make our classrooms run you know almost like a startup kids have, you know, instructors there and resources for being able to get the assistance that they need, but it being also offering them the freedom to be able to grow and to innovate is super important for becoming a talented programmer. What is the transition like for students that start off with this coding blocks when they move to working with web technologies? Yeah, um, so we've only been around, you know, for three years now. So we're just now, I guess, starting to see those that transition happening as students are getting older and growing through our programs. But I'd say like even just this semester has been a pretty exciting time of seeing students progress. And so like we've had, I'd say, I think, yeah, we've had a few 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds who started with us maybe a year ago. And so they had been working through 
through the Scratch curriculum and making a lot of progress. And our instructors really track and watch how, I'd say like how naturally the programming is coming to a student of if they've really been working at it um, and kind of sticking with us where they're able to, like I said, build a project that they think of on their own and think through the logic and the steps that are needed for being able to create that project. Then we're able to kind of transition them and move them into other programming languages. So right now, the three 10 and 11 year olds who I'm thinking of, they are in the web development track. And so they finished out scratch. And so now they're coding and making their own websites for the very first time. And so their first project is a bio page. So they're making a website about themselves. And so then we're also able to talk, you know, about internet safety and what information, you know, would you want about you on the internet? And so it's being able to, I guess, like use that as a broader exposure piece. And that's been pretty cool and exciting. Um, and the parents have liked that as well. So that's been good, keeping them happy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. When I was looking at the website for the school, I saw that another component of it is that they get exposure to tech careers. Can you talk about how this is done? Yeah. So we've had so far now 16 students earn paid internships in tech in our city after going through our program. And so 16 might not seem like a lot with the number of kids who we've worked with in our program. But the big thing is looking at the fact that, you know, out of all of those students, very few were high school age or old enough to be able to start working. And so for those students, we've pretty much, if a kid, or I should say a teenager, comes to us and expresses their interest in being able to explore a little bit more what it would be like to work professionally in tech, then we prep that student by helping them to build out their portfolio of work, as well as learning how to write a resume and a cover letter. And we have a few tech partners in town who are receptive to interviewing our students for you know, summer internships or things like that. And so far, we've had 16 kids be able to earn the paid internships in town at a variety of different tech companies. But then also like even with our younger students who are maybe elementary or middle school age, we're always talking about tech as an optional, yeah, as an option for a career choice. But then as well as I think kind of changing or shifting maybe their understanding of what a tech job is. So for instance, you don't have to become a developer, you know, to be able to be using tech in your job. Instead, we're helping students to see that pretty much at any company in this day and age, like you need a website, you need a web presence. And so somebody built that. And so, you know, you could be the person who built that or even understanding the design aspect of things of that, you know, companies will need designers and developers. And there's so many different uh, fields or ways of being able to use tech, but instead really helping kids to, I'd say, like unlock what their interests are. And then our instructors are here to be able to help them make connections between their interests and the career fields that are out there. And so then that really helps for kids to be able to understand that the skill sets they're developing in our program can be applied across a number of different industries. And yeah, that their opportunities are really open. So that's been pretty exciting. 
There's also an initiative with Invanti Ventures to fund students' business ideas. Can you talk a little bit about this initiative? So I think you might be talking about the pitch competition that's coming up. Yes. Yeah. So Invanti isn't funding the students' ideas. Instead, actually, we've partnered with a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley named Cyan Bannister. And Cyan has just been wonderful. She came out here with a tour that was going on across the Midwest. And she heard about our program and seemed like she must have really liked it enough that she reached out to us and said that she had an interest in being able to help our students to develop out their ideas even further. And so we came up with this idea of being able to host a pitch competition for the students. And so our students would be able to develop out their tech ideas that would be solving different kinds of problems. And then we're going to host an official pitch competition in this November. And so the students will be able to pitch to a board, yeah, a panel of judges, and Cyan is going to be one of them. And so she's offered to be able to give prize money to the top three teams who win the competition. And Invanti is actually a startup generator in town. And so what they've done is that they visited a few of our classes to be able to help kids think about how to run a startup, of how to come up with different ideas and, you know, how to think about a business plan and all of those kinds of different things. So it's been just, I guess, like a really a cool opportunity for being able to explore, how, like I I guess the connection between tech and a startup or tech and starting your own business. So that's been really cool for the kids. You're expanding the school to other cities. Mm -hmm. What is the process for expanding? Oh, so when we go to another location, there's a few things in particular that we normally look for. And so one has been a community partner because we really look for someone who knows the area and is able to best advise us, as well as their own organization's mission aligns up well with Code School's mission. So for instance, Fort Wayne, Indiana was our very first expansion program. Of We expanded to Fort Wayne, I want to say about a year ago. And so with that, we're partnered with a nonprofit in town called Startup Fort Wayne, or it's called Start Fort Wayne, excuse me. And so they were just really helpful in that they heard about Code School and what it was that we were trying to do. And immediately they were already themselves really driven by this opportunity to be able to teach more community members how to code and to be able to offer and provide that skills development. And so with that, as well as our other partners in our other three cities that we've expanded to, so Bloomington, Elkhart, and yeah, Fort Wayne, all three have been just really excellent in advising us as well as helping to get the word out more um, that this program exists there and being able to let the community members know that you know this is an opportunity for them as well. That's kind of been the main thing. As well as in all of our locations, we offer scholarships for the students. And so being able to subsidize the cost so that all students who are interested in learning how to code are able to attend the class and have access to this kind of learning opportunity. This is more of a business-related question. As you are looking at expanding to other cities, how do you make sure you won't compromise the quality of the program and the new staff? Yeah, I think one thing that we've learned has been not rushing it. So for instance, in all of our locations, we try to have someone who lives in that city be the instructor for that program because 
like I was talking about of, you know, them knowing the area, them knowing the city is super important, but then also them having, you know, kind of, I guess, like this sense of pride, but then also a level of trust with the community members there. And it really helps, you know, to make it where it's not kind of like we're coming in and just taking over because that's definitely not you know, our motive or our drive. Instead, the big thing is that we know that coding is a valuable skill. And with any in, with Indiana's, you know, most recent mandate of computer science being offered to kids within schools, we really want to just be a part of that, of every kid having the opportunity to learn about computer science if they're interested in it. And so having instructors there who really know the area, but then are also really passionate about coding computer science themselves and about educating youth, I think that that really helps it so that the program kind of doesn't lose, I think, the things that we originally implemented it in it to kind of make it strong and successful. And so, yeah, that's really been the most helpful thing is having people who are in it for the right reasons and who care about their city. And that, yeah, that's really helped. We've also created like a network among the instructors. And so we will all video chat once a week to be able to touch base and see how everything's going. People are able to offer feedback and, you know, suggestions, as well as we use Slack. Slack's kind of like our best friend. And so that's really helped for keeping everyone in touch and the communication up. As you mentioned at the beginning, the motivation for starting this school began when you were tutoring children and you encountered that some of them said, I'm not going to go to college. I'm curious, what are the reasons why they're contemplating not going to college? Yeah, so one of the big things that I saw was many students seeing that as an opportunity that wasn't for them and for multiple reasons. So one of the big reasons that I noticed a lot was a lot of high school students feeling that college wasn't an option for them, maybe because of financial constraints. At other times, it was because they would have been first-generation college students, and so they hadn't seen someone do that before them. And because of that, a big thing was not really even understanding the process of how you apply to school. And by the time that they felt that they understand that, understood that process, a lot of students thought that it was too late for them. So for instance, knowing to take the SAT or the difference between the SAT and the ACT, understanding how to write a college essay, knowing how to apply for financial aid, all of those kinds of things seemed like they were mysteries to a lot of the kids who I was working with. And so for a lot of them, they kind of felt like they had missed the boat of by the time that they made it to their senior year, maybe they felt like their grades weren't good enough for applying to school, but then also, you know, kind of feeling those different hurdles kind of formed against them of, you know, whether that is applying for financial aid or whether that's understanding how to get your application in on time, all of those kinds of things, I think, felt like just really strong deterrence for them. And so they had discounted it as an opportunity for themselves. The last question that I want to ask you is, going back to the beginning again, when you had this idea of not getting involved with programming because you weren't doing really well at math. So I'm <laughs> curious, after learning programming, what is your take on this idea that you cannot get involved in programming because you're not good in math? Oh, I mean, completely flipped. I know that there is not one type of person who fits the mold of being able to make an excellent programmer. Instead, 
your ability to problem solve and your ability to think creatively is really what makes someone a good programmer. And it feels like even switching up what our idea of thinking creatively even means. It's another thing is I'm not a very good artist either. Um, So I'm not artistic, but I'm able to think about a problem from a number of different ways. And like that, that's creativity as well. So I think for me, I'm still not great at math. Um, I have to, it feels like work 10 times harder than the person next to me, but there's other advantages that I'm able to add to it. So, you know, my whole reason for starting South Bend Code School with my co-founders was more of, you know, from a humanitarian approach of wanting to help people. So I think that that's like a skill set that I'm able to apply of when I'm creating you know, or building a website or anything like that, or, you know, any other kind of project that I'm developing, I'm thinking about the user's experience. And that's super important as a developer. So I think for myself, and, you know, pretty much anyone else who's interested in learning how to code, it's, I think, that of realizing that you don't have to have a particular skill set about yourself that's going to guarantee you to be successful as a developer. Instead, it's a willingness to learn and finding your reason for why you want to learn. Exactly. Willingness to learn. And the other thing is that this field is so big. There are certainly areas of it that involve more math, like computer graphics, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, cryptography. But there are other areas like web development. There's not a lot of math involved. Right. So it's this idea that you don't need to be really good in math to just rule out this complete field of programming. There's different areas of it that you can leverage your strengths, like what you're doing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That was very well put. (laughs) Well, Alex, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It's been great talking to you. No, thank you so much. I was happy to be here. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks to Blind for being a new sponsor of the show. Go to teamblind.com. That's teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. Check it out.